IBM has just announced two cloud computing initiatives, one aimed at local governments and the other at federal agencies. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of GovInfoSecurity.com, and I'm pleased to welcome Dave McQueenie, Chief Technology Officer for IBM's U.S. federal business. Welcome, Dave. Uh, thank you. Good to talk to you. First, briefly explain each of these initiatives. Well, of the two initiatives, let's start with our federal initiative first. It's called the Federal Community Cloud. And the federal government, like most of our other clients, is always looking for ways to make the provisioning of information technology to support their mission as economical and as straightforward as it can possibly be. The evolution of technologies such as virtualization, automatic provisioning, and, and grid computing have all come together to form a very attractive type of delivery of compute resources that goes under the, the heading of cloud computing. And the federal government has been very interested in how it can use the cloud computing model both within the government and from providers outside the government to make their IT operations both more efficient and more responsive. And along with providing this service to the government, any providers have to meet a fairly strict set of federal security and privacy and information technology deployment guidelines. And so what we're announcing for our federal clients is the federal community cloud posted out of a couple of our very large production data centers where we've complied with all of the relevant federal security specifications, and we're ready to offer that to our federal clients. The second announcement we're making is around an offering for municipalities, states, counties, and local governments. The size and scale of the problems from the federal government to local governments are very different. Most of my customers in federal have extremely large, almost one-of-a-kind on the planet, data scale and transaction rates and very complex policies. Local and municipal systems tend to be smaller in footprint, and there tends to be some similarity between the roles played by IT in one town or another town or, or different counties and cities. We've seen an opportunity to use the cloud computing model where we can host pieces of mission process that are useful to many municipal governments, host them in one place, and actually give not only a great benefit to local governments of not having to support the IT equipment and software and operations locally, but to get it from a provider who does this on a very large scale very efficiently. But also we've seen a lot of ability by hosting different applications in a common cloud environment to make it much easier to give for a local government to give their citizens one view of all their interactions with the government and to tie together different services that the government might provide to that citizen. So there's both cost and efficiency benefit, but there's also a productivity benefit in terms of better service to the citizens. It seems in both these initiatives you're dealing with private multi-tenant clouds. Is that correct? That is exactly right. Uh, in the case of the federal community cloud, the federal security requirements state that the computing equipment that serves federal customers must be physically segregated from the equipment providing service to commercial customers. So, you know, physically you'll find it in a separate locked cage with separate physical security, separate network connections to the outside world. That's as required by the federal information security requirements. And that's, you know, obviously a very reasonable uh, requirement given the level of sensitivity of some of the data. And the requirements on municipal governments are not exactly the same, but the same principles apply. And so you know, those things are, are hosted in a very high-integrity, high-security environment as well. Let's talk a little bit about the advantages of multi-tenant cloud computing in, in this private environment. But first, why multi-tenant? Why not just specific private clouds for each of the federal agencies or each municipality? Good question, and it's not an either-or. Most of my federal clients have used, experimented with private cloud implementations. They have either purchased software that they can layer on top of systems they have, or in some cases they've bought complete turnkey, prepackaged, pre-integrated systems. 
That's typically the first step clients will make, whether they're government or private. They'll look at the economies of scale within their enterprise. And then as they evolve and they see the efficiency and the benefit of this model, they'll start asking the question, are there parts of my workflow, my mission, as the government might call it, or a business process, as a commercial customer might call it, uh, that I think it would be more efficient to be handled by a provider outside of my enterprise. And, And a lot of times, you'll find that it's the result of an analysis of different workloads that go on in the enterprise. So suppose you have a government agency with a very strong seasonal variation in workloads, perhaps, you know, an agency that's responsible for tracking storms or an agency that's providing social benefits that have a a very strong seasonal character. There'll be fluctuations in the load uh, that will be presented by citizens that will vary very rapidly up and down. Uh, And it might be very nice to have a fixed and stable base of computing inside your enterprise and then a surge capacity that you can access and you can tailor to the same kind of a operational environment with an external provider, and then you only have to pay for the use of that external provisioning of the application for the very short parts of the season that you need it. So it gives an agency a way to have a stable base of computing and then have a very easy way to surge their capacity up and down and end up saving them a lot of money rather than having internal captive environment be at the maximum size all year long. What are the biggest perceived security challenges your government clients tell you that concerns them? And are there concerns ground? And if not, so why not? If they are, what can be done about them? Well, governments as a rule are quite concerned and appropriately so about security around their data, the integrity around their data. They'll use words even broader than security like information assurance to kind of capture all of the thoughts around the security and the integrity and the reliability of the data. And given the criticality of tax records and defense information and all the sorts of things that the government does, it's absolutely appropriate to have a very strong focus there. And so the governments around the world and certainly our government here in federal goes to great lengths to build systems that are robust and reliable and secure to manage them uh, to all of the best practices that they know of. So when they start thinking about moving data from their internal systems to an external system, the first question they're going to ask the external provider is, what kind of procedures will you follow for physically securing the servers, for assuring the authenticity of the logon, for security of the data during transit to and from your site? And the government will be very, very interested in, does that provider offer them a set of security controls that are as robust or perhaps even more robust than what they would do internally so that when they then move some of their data or some of their application or their mission process flow outside of the government and then link it back into a workflow back inside, have they maintained the high level of security they would maintain internally? And so that's why in the federal government, they have applied the standards known as FISMA. They apply to their own systems to their external providers. And more interestingly, recently, the government has undertaken an initiative called FedRAMP and a lot of the technical guidance has come from the scientists at, at NIST that seeks to get all the government agencies and federal to agree on a common set of standards so that once a provider is certified against the FedRAMP process, it's something that many or most of the federal agencies will accept. And so that means that vendors won't have to certify their systems differently for different federal agencies. Can the cloud be more secure? It should be possible. In fact, I, I'm, I'm sure it is possible in a cloud environment to actually provide a better degree of security than a natively hosted application that might have existed previously. I don't know if you guys saw the press release we did a couple months ago with the U.S. Air Force on a project we called MOCA. 
mission-oriented cloud architecture. That project was asking the question, what if we wanted to run an actual military mission on top of a cloud runtime? Now, in this case, we, we presume that would be a private cloud implementation inside the Department of Defense. And so the Air Force really wanted to know the answer to questions like, was that cloud environment robust? Was it reliable? Was it sufficiently secure? And one of the things they became concerned about was, what if someone tries to mount an attack on the cloud computing infrastructure as a way of disrupting the mission? And so one of the things that we did for the the Air Force was look at the deployment of a new product we have called InfoSphere Streams. That's basically a high-speed real-time analytic system that can ingest gigabit network feeds, you know, at, at full line speed. Uh, and we looked at the patterns of traffic flow in the fabric of communications that wired the cloud together. And we said, can we detect threats? For example, a botnet attack. Can we see a botnet attack coming into the system and assembling itself by looking at the low-level traffic patterns on the network? And can we, in fact, interrupt that attack before it ever has a chance? to launch. Investments like that are not likely to be affordable for each individual system I build as a standalone silo, but they're very affordable to put into a cloud computing environment that I build a very robust instance of and then virtualize uh, and then sell slices of that to my users. Do you see any kind of applications that will never go in the cloud? There are certainly applications that are not the low-hanging fruit, things that wouldn't be the first things you'd move to the cloud. I think it's probably a little risky to say something would or would not ever move somewhere. But if, if we talked about some of the most sensitive classified data in the U.S. government, that would not be high on the list of things that would be easy to move into a cloud environment. I would hesitate to speculate never, but, you know, I think there are some that would always tend to remain inside of an enterprise. Are there a certain commonality of the type of government applications that are being implemented now, and how will that evolve? You know, we see a couple of use cases that, that recur across our commercial and our government customers for workloads that are a very good fit for cloud computing. Uh, one of them is software test and development. That tends to be an activity that has a fairly complex set of tools, a fairly complex environment that has to be provisioned to software developers. Uh, and the needs for software development, and especially software test, uh, tend to, to very, uh, very rapidly. The, the workload, you know, goes up for, for very intensely for, in the case of test, for a relatively short time and then ramps back down again. So that's a very good case where the, the breathing of capacity that an external provider can give uh, to a company or to a government is, is a great advantage. Dave, I thank you very much for spending some time with me. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. I've been speaking with Dave McQueenie, Chief Technology Officer for IBM's U.S. Federal Business. I'm Eric Chabra of GovInfoSecurity.com. Thanks for listening.